Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis from Elsevier, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the pandemic and beyond. Hi, everybody. I'm Michael Carice. In this special episode, we'll be talking to one of the winners of the 2022 Osmosis Raise the Line Faculty Awards, who was chosen from over 1,000 nominations we received from 377 institutions from around the globe, with the students and their colleagues submitting videos and testimonials telling us how they embody the six osmosis core values. Today, I'm really happy to welcome Susan Spielberg. She's the overall winner for the student advisor category and works at Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. So welcome to the program and congratulations. Thank you so much. A pleasure to be here. Why don't we start with having you tell us more about you and uh, what you do there at LECOM. Is that the right way to say that? Yes, that's that's the uh, acronym, I guess, LECOM, right? So my name is Susan Spielberg. I am currently what they call the education specialist at Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine in Bradenton. And my responsibilities cover students at both the dental and the pharmacy schools. Yeah, and that's interesting because there is a lot more talk of integrating education across, you know, health professions. Is that part of what you are involved in? Yes. So we try to do a lot of interprofessional education between the three schools. Right here in Bradenton, we have three. We have med, we have dental, and we have pharmacy. Yeah, so your students are stepping into a world that has changed a lot in the last 10 years in terms of the team approach. But this goes even further than that, right? Uh, Where I think during COVID, people may have heard a little bit about this, about, hey, uh, dentist's offices are in a good position to do vaccines, for example. Mm -hmm. Well, and we're trying to train our students also, especially I do most of my work with the dental students. So especially the dental students to understand when they're seeing a patient that they have to see the whole patient and to analyze the medical situation, the pharmaceuticals the patient might be taking along with the dental issues that they come with in order to make good decisions for the treatment. Yeah, that makes sense. I also uh, understand that you're involved in the standardized patient uh, aspect of the program. Can you, first of all, help people understand what that is and then tell us what you do? So my first foray into medical education from regular public school education was as a standardized patient at the medical school. This was several years ago. And it was a fabulous experience. The students are divided into small groups and study the separate systems. So they learn how to do a cardiac exam, uh, a gastro exam, a skin exam, etc. As a standardized patient, it's really like being an actor. So we get a script and the student doesn't know what the script is. They come in, they introduce themselves. There are certain things they have to do. And then they have to take a history, which is part of learning the current complaint, past history, social history, etc. Then they do their 10-minute physical exam. They go out, they do their soap notes. And then when they come back in, Our job was to provide feedback to them, more in terms of bedside manner, how they dealt with the patient 
rather than actually with the specifics of the physical exam, because there are doctors who, when they get tested, will see whether they did the correct exam. Yeah. So you would be talking about you never made eye contact with me, for example, or things of that. Right. Nature. Right. Or, you know, please lie down on the table and then you lie down and then they say, get up. And it's like, okay, I'm not a youngster. Would you like to offer me your hand to help me get up from the table? Those kinds of things. Yeah. So um, let's go a little deeper into your background and find out how you got started in your career in education. So I have a BA from the University of California at Berkeley in Spanish and history. I then got a master's in education from the University of Hartford in guidance and counseling, as well as a sixth year certificate in secondary school administration. So I started teaching public school. I did middle school. I did high school. I did some adjunct work at the University of Connecticut and Tokyo Post University in Connecticut as well. And when we moved to Florida, then we transitioned and I started work at LECOM and that's how I got into the medical education field. So after doing a standardized patient, they were building the dental school at that time. And when the dental school opened, we were, my husband and I were both asked to become uh, problem-based learning facilitators. So I did that for several years and I really enjoyed it, loved it. As an educator, we were able to really not only emphasize the science part of solving cases, but to do the facilitation of interaction between the group as well, which I told the students was really very important because at some point in time, they will have an office, whether it's their own or working for somebody. And how do you deal with people in your group who are aggressive, assertive, obnoxious, or quiet? How do you learn to do that in a way that you all end up being able to have consensus and work well together. To me, uh, the affective is just as important as the academics. Obviously you have to know what you're doing, but the way in which you do it, which reverts back of course to my role as a, uh, the standardized patient giving sure. feedback. Sure. So it was all sort of connected. So after several years as a facilitator, we discovered that there probably was a need to have a student advisor, although the dean liked the word education specialist better, uh, to deal with not only those students who are having difficulty with their academics, but emotionally as well. There seems to be a real issue of transition these days from undergraduate school to graduate school. And one of my roles is to guide them in that tr transition and make it easier for them to navigate the whole process and the system. So I deal not only with those students who don't perform well academically and in the lab as well, because I provide and in charge of the tutoring service as well. We have a peer tutoring program and I run that program. So we're always, uh, I'm always looking to see what's the best way that I can help my students succeed. 
I have to tell you, I, I'm just very proactive as well, because some days I think if I didn't reach out to them, they may never come to see me. <laughs> there are a lot of people who I find have difficulty asking for help. They hmm. just don't ask for help. And that's why I find the need to go find them and offer my help. And once that relationship is established, we continue it. And whether it's giving them information on how to study smarter, not harder, uh, whether it's how to be organized and do good time management, because it's a difficult curriculum, as you know, in any kind of medical dental school. And it's managing getting all of that done without cramming and then forgetting. So it's all about retention and good monitoring of the information and then retaining that information, not just spitting it out for a multiple choice test and then moving on. Well, I have to say, you sound like a, an absolutely fabulous resource for those students to have, uh, given everything you've been, been talking about. And obviously your role has inspired uh, young health professionals or they wouldn't have nominated you for the award and we'll be actually sharing with you some of what they said in their nominations. But first, I'd like to hear who inspired you to teach. So believe it or not, it sounds sort of ridiculous, but I knew in fifth grade that I wanted to be a teacher. And I had a fifth grade teacher named Mrs. Lesser who chose me to help her, you know, in the old days, we would call that teacher's pet, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I knew then that this was something that I always wanted to do. My parents, of course, are a huge influence and encouraged me to go into education. That was their, that was their goal for me. Um, recognizing as well uh, that back in the day, there were not as many options available to women as there are today in terms of career choices. You know, mainly education, nursing, uh, social work, and secretarial were the key uh, areas that women looked at to uh, go into so that they could have a career and they could have a family and, you know, all of the sort of old fashioned uh, criteria that now I'm glad to see has changed tremendously. Oh, absolutely. So in order to win the award, you received a lot of nominations, as I mentioned, and testimonials. And at this point, I get to embarrass you and read some of them. So <laughs> stand by. So this is uh, just a snapshot of what the uh, nominators said about you. Susan is a valuable student learning resource, and she works tirelessly with students to help them succeed. She can always be counted on to help students and work with them during some of their saddest academic moments. She also has been instrumental in helping us learn the skills that we need to maintain that success throughout our career. So what's your reaction to that? Um, first of all, I'm honored, I'm proud, and I just love getting feedback from my students because that way I continue to feel that I'm doing the job that I'm there to do. I do keep in touch with a lot of my students. I told you before that I work with the dental students and the pharmacy students, but I also work with a lot of master's students. LECOM has an MMS program. and a lot of them who go into that program then 
transition into either the medical or the dental school. So working with them during their master's year where they're getting a really deep introduction to the sciences, more so than some of them had as an undergraduate, I get to mentor a lot of them and give them advice. And I would say there are a tremendous number of them who come back to me later uh, and really show their appreciation for what they put into practice that began as theory. Yeah, that's very rewarding, I guess would be the right word for it. Yes. So all of you listening out there, go back and tell your teachers and the other people who helped you in your schooling how wonderful they were. It doesn't take much time, and it means a lot, right? Yes. So um, as you know, Osmosis has six core values, which I'm going to list off here. Start with the heart, spread joy, have each other's backs, imagine more, open your arms and reach further. Is there one of those that you feel you embody best? And, and tell us why. I don't know if I can limit it to one. I guess I guess heart and spread joy are two of the basic ones. I love what I do. I have lots of friends who are retired and they can't understand why I'm still working when they're out there playing. <laughs> and I say, because I love what I do. And I love it every minute of every day. I walk into the building and I just enjoy meeting the students, talking with them, especially the ones who come to me for the first time, trying to find out what their needs are and how I can help meet those needs. And by doing that, I like to think I spread joy. I'm always all over the building saying hello to all the students, whether they need me at the moment or not. They all know who I am. I know most of them. I know all of them by face. I don't know all of them necessarily by name, but that's what I love because I want them to know that I am there if they need something. And it's not only just for those who are having academic issues. Uh, you know, at orientation, I say to them that where you came from, you were all at the top of the class or you wouldn't have gotten in. But now we have a new situation where there has to be another top, middle, and bottom. So for those who then experience a poor test grade or something, there's a lot of real emotional response to that because these are people who say, I've never failed anything before. Right. So I have to help them understand that the, the situation that goes with that and how then to improve and bring their grades up back up to where they were as an undergraduate. Always pointing out to them that what might have worked for them in undergraduate school doesn't necessarily work for them now. There are more courses, there are harder courses that go in depth and they can't just choose their schedule. This is the curriculum. This is what you have to do in order to become a dentist, to become a pharmacist. I, I jokes like, no, you can't just decide to go to class on Tuesday and Thursday or pick 10 o'clock classes instead of eight o'clock classes. That <laughs> doesn't sort of work that way. <laughs> well, I think you picked the right one there, spread joy. Your enthusiasm and your energy is very apparent just in this short conversation we've had with you. There are a few others that just, I like to feel the one have each other's backs. I like to feel and the students know that I am their advocate. And I think that's very important for them. They know that 
I am the point person. If they have a question about anything, they can usually come to me because they figure either I know the answer or I know where to get the answer for them. And I try, I've learned to know the difference between whining and concern. <laughs> Very important. And I'm constantly reaching further to expand not only my own knowledge, but to help them advance their studies and navigate the system. And I also try to work with new faculty who have not taught before so that I can help them improve their lecture skills and their testing abilities. Boy, you are sound like you're a very busy person there. And I want you to know I only work three days a week. <laughs> but when this, but when they say, well, of course, you're exhausted. You can only work three days. Students work. To, are you going to be in tomorrow? It's like, no, I only work three days a week. And they say, no, you know, you're here all the time. I said, you just think I'm here all the time because you see me everywhere, but I'm really not. Oh, that's great. So as you look ahead, what do you see for yourself in the future? And how do you see LECOM making its way over the next few years? So for me... Just to keep doing what I'm doing. You know, what is the old expression? Keep on trucking. And I hope that I can just continue with this job that I have. And uh, LECOM right now is planning on some expansions to their programs. They are opening a new medical school in Jacksonville. They just opened a podiatry school in, in uh, Pennsylvania. And they're talking about increasing the enrollment in the dental school itself. So my hope right now, I'm the only education specialist in Bradenton. Um, and I'm hoping that this sets the example so that they will provide this position for the other campuses as well as they open up because the need is becoming greater and greater for students to not only have academic advice in terms of study skills and, and time management and whatnot, but just for emotional support for somebody who can give them confidence. You know, I, I laugh some days. My, my husband, I go home and tell him stories and he says to me, you know, you sound like you're the grandma of Lee Kong. <laughs> And I said, well, you know, you told me a couple of years ago I was the mother of Lecom, so somehow I've gotten <laughs> older along the way, but that's okay. Because once I, once I give these students information about how to improve the way they're studying, then they just sort of keep coming back because they just need, a lot of them just need encouragement. How are you doing? Oh, everything okay? Are we doing? Yes, yes, you know, that kind of thing and somebody that they can come to if they're anxious or whatever the need might be. Yes, and obviously this is happening throughout higher education. I mean, schools right. have really started to wrap a lot of services around students uh, because obviously the schools want them to stay and succeed and right. complete. Yeah. Right, right. So as a teaching company, we love filling knowledge gaps. Is there a topic that uh, you'd like to talk about where you think, boy, I just wish more people understood it and uh, would be great if osmosis could focus on that. Well, first of all, I have to tell you, uh, prejudiced as I may be and happy as you will be to hear that osmosis is my first go-to advice. I really find the videos 
invaluable for especially those students who are visual learners. And I always ask my students, are you visual? Are you auditory? And a lot of them, they read a chapter, they, they read it over and over again uh, about a mechanism of something, and they just can't get it. Well, they go to the video and there it is spelled out for them. And now I say to them, either you can watch the video first and then go back to the book or the PowerPoint, or you can read something. If you don't get it, don't spend two hours trying to figure it out. Maybe you need to see this visually. And so you go to osmosis and there it is short, sweet to the point. And then, of course, I encourage them to buy the package because they get the quizzes, the playlist, the uh, flashcards, the whole the whole deal. And especially in the dental school, there are two years of academics before they go to the clinic. Problem based learning is one of the largest parts of our curriculum. And I have many students who say they could not have gotten through PBL without the use of osmosis. So I love your videos, obviously, on, you know, uh, medical uh, systems. I'm happy to see that you keep increasing the dental videos. And so I would hope you would keep adding more to that particular uh, area of your program. And pharmacy, I recommend as well. So I thought about that. And one of the things I thought about was perhaps because you do a lot of the, the learning issues, which I love. You, you're one on PBL. I told the dean when he does orientation, never mind your presentation, just show the osmosis PBL video. <laughs> it, it says it all. But the ones on um, building a memory palace, um, uh, testing effect and spaced repetition. Those are the ones that I use and recommend the most. But I'm thinking if you want to spread out a little bit more that you might want to do things on business management for those students who are thinking of buying a practice when they graduate or joining a practice. And big, two biggies, ethics, and professionalism. Those are two areas that because of the current climate, I think more of an emphasis has to be put on those two areas. What does it mean to be a professional? How do you behave? How do you dress? How do you address your patients? How do you get involved in talking to people? And you talk about standardized patients that we did at the med school. I mean, one of the things I would love to have a standardized patient at the dental school as well, because one of the things that comes up is due to texting, email, which has gone by the boards. Now it's all texting. Students these days have difficulty talking to people in person and getting all the information that they need. They don't know how to chit chat. You know, they may know how to get the, okay, what's your name, where'd you come from, what medicine, that kind of thing. But how do you put the patient at ease? What do you do with a patient who's afraid to be at the dentist? All those issues, I think 
maybe some kind of techniques or practice for them would be very helpful. That's great. And it's very interesting because we just had Dr. Abebe Bekele on the program. He's the dean of the University of Global Health Equity in Rwanda. And when we asked him that question, he had the same answer. Professionalism and ethics would be great, great topics to, to cover in an osmosis video. So we're getting the message on that one loud and clear. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. So as we wrap up here, we want to give you a chance to thank anybody you'd like to, shout out to peers or students or anybody else. Well, I'd like to, of course, thank all of my students. I love them all. Uh, I love the feedback they give me. I like in interacting with them. I especially would like to thank Dr. Todd Nolan, who is my colleague and immediate supervisor for nominating me. And of course, my husband and my children who are grown, but who have been very, very supportive and encouraging for me in my quest to never retire. Well, I hope you don't. I mean, based on everything I've heard you say, it's, this has really been delightful to meet you and to hear about uh, all of the contributions you make at LECOM. I mean, it almost makes me want to go back to school. Almost. <laughs> almost. I'm not that foolish. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, congratulations again. And uh, we're wishing you all the best in the coming year. And we want to thank you on behalf of Osmosis for all the work you're doing to train the next generation of healthcare professionals. Thank you for your program, and thank you for all of the people who work there who have been so nice whenever I've had to talk to anybody. Well, that's great. Great to hear that. I'm Michael Carice. Thanks for checking out this special episode of Raise the Line. If you'd like to learn about the other faculty award winners from 2022, please check out osmosis.org forward slash faculty dash awards. And as always, remember to do your part to raise the line and strengthen the healthcare system. We're all in this together. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our episodes at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast. <laughs>